Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, all right. Welcome back to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, everybody. Great to be back after a little summer break. Football in high gear, especially in this New York area, thanks to Saquon Barkley and the New York football giants. want to remind you, if you love our podcast here on Talking Ball on the Believe Network, Please rate, review, and subscribe. That's on my YouTube channel, at PL on NFL, at the Believe Network's YouTube channel, and of course, on the audio podcast, wherever you get it. So Spotify, Apple, really any streaming service that you're listening right now. Um, You can get it anywhere. You can review it anywhere. The five stars, the comments that say that you heard it here and you haven't heard anywhere else, that it's unique, that you love it. I see that coming in on my YouTube page more and more, especially as we've knocked out some of these great player interviews with guys like Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell and Lawrence Cager with the New York Giants coming out of the spring. So I appreciate all the support. We're really excited for season two of the Talking Ball podcast. Really pumped for that. Before I get into Saquon, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is our number one source. For all your betting needs, get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's all caps B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where I'm starting is where we all have been for the last day or so coming out of the Saquon Barkley failing to get a long-term deal done with the Giants. It's a mixture of surprise, a mixture of shock, a mixture of questioning what were both sides thinking, how did it get here, and what is going to happen next. So let me start with deadline day. What happened and why did we get past four o'clock with no deal? My understanding is that compared to, let's say, a Josh Jacobs situation with the Las Vegas Raiders, this was a situation where the Giants did try to sign Saquon Barkley before this 4 p.m. deadline, but the sides just couldn't come together. They couldn't meet in the middle. They couldn't find a deal. I will be honest. The Reports that I saw of Saquon Barkley turning down a best offer of between 11, 11.5, you know, with 22 million guaranteed. I think the New York Post, Ryan Dunleavy was the one who first put uh, those numbers out there. My understanding is that the Giants' best final offer was a little bit better than that. Now, exact numbers are tough to come by right now. Both sides are very sensitive to the idea of leaking information and trying to make the other side look a certain way, because obviously that's how Barkley interpreted the numbers that were coming out in the spring. He felt like when it got out that he had turned down a $13 million a year offer, that it had come from the other side and it had made him look greedy and was painting a picture of him that wasn't fair or accurate. So coming by these exact numbers, Not an easy thing, but I will say the fact that it sounds like Saquon Barkley did not sign a contract offer that was in the neighborhood of $12 million and in the neighborhood 
of that 22 million guaranteed number, which is the number of the two combined franchise tags, 22.5, 22.2, right around there. I'm surprised that in the end, he didn't sign that and it didn't get done. I'm also surprised that let's hypothetically say the Giants got to 12 and Saquon Barkley wanted them to get to 12.5 and add an extra million guaranteed on top of, let's say, 22. I'm also surprised that the Giants at the end didn't recognize the value in maybe spending a little bit more to avoid the potential worst case scenarios on the other end of this. And that is Saquon Barkley's threat to possibly hold out. That is him being absent from training camp, which we expect. That is Saquon Barkley's demeanor and situation potentially clouding the 2023 season for Brian Dable's team. He is without question, one of the best players on this team. And when you don't take care of one of your own, that sends the wrong message. Like I said, it wasn't like the Giants said, we don't want to give you anything. They did try to sign him. So it's not like the Giants said, screw this. You're playing on the tag. We're not dealing with you at the deadline. That's not what happened. Still, it is rare in the NFL when everybody in the building and in the country and in the media space knows a team's best players that a team doesn't take care of them. You know, sometimes you get to a point where the relationships run its course. And even though the team took care of a player, eventually uh, it sours and it's time to move on. Obviously, even look at the Odell Beckham situation, even before the Giants traded Beckham, they initially were in talks with other teams. They still eventually paid one of the best players and most talented players in their franchise's history and gave him a long-term contract before ultimately, you know, the relationship sours and they trade him to Cleveland. But Odell still got that big contract. So you look at this and you say the Giants have good feelings coming out of the 2022 season. They make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. They win a playoff game for the first time since they last won the Super Bowl. And this guy, Saquon Barkley, along with Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas, I would argue, the three best players on the team last season. And then Daniel Jones obviously had a really good year. But those are the guys you got to take care of. And so not getting it done with Saquon, even if and when he does return, to me threatens the chemistry of the team. It threatens the ability for this to pick up where the team left off and really try to build on something because let's face it at the end of this, even I, who am not, I'm not Saquon Barkley's number one fan. I like him as a person. I like dealing with him. I think he's a good player. I don't think he is the top level star Christian McCaffrey level worth that kind of money guy. But in the context of the giants team and makeup, and especially with the success they had last year, I think it's also a fair and easy argument to make that he's worth more dollars to this team than he would be to other teams, most other teams. So I see where Barkley was coming from holding his ground. I also see where the Giants were coming from saying there's only so far we can go. We don't want to overpay a running back after drafting a guy number two where that is too high to draft a running back and we don't want to make the same mistake twice. We're going to get criticized for the same mistake if we overpay a guy running back who, while he catches the ball, is not a top receiving running back. So I agree with that, too. I just don't agree with either side's decision at the end 
to refuse to meet in the middle when, like I said, my best information is that whatever the chasm was and the difference was between Saquon's ask and the Giants' final offer, it was not so dramatically different. There was not such a gaping hole in between those two that they couldn't have come to a compromise and bridged it. I think what happened here was, like I wrote in the Daily News and have been writing for a while now, ever since we and I talked to Saquon at his camp in June, I think there was a personal side to this that even though Saquon is able to push that to the side and look at it from a business element, I think both the Giants and Saquon Barkley, from that point on, him accusing them of leaks, him saying this was about respect, feeling like he wasn't receiving that respect, and now they get past this without uh, without a deal done. It just leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth, and I think it also affected why they didn't get something done when, you know, listen, we go, we all go and try to buy a car. Uh, we all go and try to sell a house, buy a house. We all go and try to negotiate our own contracts. And it always happens where the two sides start fairly f- far apart. And often you're shooting high or shooting low because you know where the middle ground is. You're going to have to end up and you don't want to go past it. So the sides did move here. Uh, I feel like it's crazy, though, that they didn't move all the way in. And like I said, still surprised that if the Giants did, in fact, get into that $12 million neighborhood with 22, $23 million guaranteed neighborhood, it does surprise me that Saquon Barkley wouldn't have signed it. Now, I want to answer a couple of questions topically on where we go from here and what happened to get the Giants to this point with Saquon as well. First of all, if you haven't listened to it yet, after we do this podcast, I want you to go and listen to the Money Matters podcast with uh, Jack Maulers. Jack had Saquon Barkley on his podcast on July 11th and then released the interview this week right after essentially uh, the deadline passed for Saquon to get a deal. But a lot of Saquon's comments are uh, still topical and still relevant. The number one takeaway I had was the answer to this question. Will Saquon actually hold out? So the answer to that question appears to be Saquon is seriously considering it, but that he is fully prepared eventually to play on the tag, even though he's worth a lot more. He says in this interview to to boil it down that he learned last season when he took some things personal on the contract and to the field that regardless of what happens on the business side, it's not personal and he still has to go perform. So he said in the bye week last year, the Giants compared him when they made their initial offer to two running backs who were not pass catching backs. They were more like downhill runners. And then they came out of the bye week and gave him 35 carries against the Houston Texans, a career high. And Saquon felt like they were telling him what he was, which he disagreed with. And then in the next game, were showing him. And he said he had this mental block initially of, kind of conflating it all and saying, now they're showing you what you are, but that's not what you are. And they're making you a downhill runner. And as he said, he felt like going back to the summer, the initial plan was for him to be more of a receiving back until for reasons he does not go into the offensive game plan changed and they went more to a running game and they wanted to hand the ball off to him more. And so he did what they asked. So the bottom line is, he says he already went through a learning lesson of 
you don't have to take it to the field because you still have to have to go out perform and winning is what matters most because the rising tide lifts all boats. And if he wins a championship in New York, that is the ultimate goal in the way that really not only his legacy reaches the heights that he believes it should, but also the best way for him and everybody to get paid and for the good feelings to um, continue or resume at least. Uh, now that that said, Saquon does sound like he is very much having the conversations he promised to have if a deal didn't occur. And that is talk with your family, talk with your teammates, figure out if you're going, if you're going to hold out, if you're going to show the giants, how valuable you are due to your absence, how do you accomplish that? Right? So the expectation initially now is that once we arrive at giants training camp, Saquon Barkley is not going to be there, that he doesn't intend to be there. Uh, before they play a game that counts, I'm not expecting to see him unless something changes. Uh, but at least a glimmer of hope on the other end that when the games start, it feels like Saquon uh, understands you know, the situation and sees maybe I can play this to my advantage, but at the end of the day, uh, succeeding on the field is going to be the best way for me to build my value. Now, how does he go about that? Does he make the Giants promise not to franchise tag him a second consecutive time after this season before he steps back in the building and signs the franchise tag tender? That's something that he could go down. That's a route he could consider. He could also maybe skip the first game to send the strongest possible message of how valuable he is to the team and then intend to report after that. But of course, that would that would include a lot of conversations on his end because he doesn't view himself like that kind of guy that would that would involve Saquon really having to take the temperature of how that would be received. You know how the organization would receive it, but how would his teammates receive that? Because really he doesn't want to hang them out to dry. And even if that's not why he was doing it, that could be the end result. So a lot for him to consider, uh, but a glimmer of hope for giants fans. I think that Saquon really is looking for the best way to continue to show his displeasure, but also to try and win and be a good teammate at the same time. Um, you know, and so I think that's where it sits. I think a fascinating element of this as well is that Saquon Barkley revealed in this podcast interview on uh, money matters that he had a sit down face-to-face -face interview with giants co-owner, John Mara before, before Daniel Jones got his contract before Saquon got tagged. And he says that John Mara and Saquon Barkley exchange pleasantries of, we want you here for the long term. We want you to be a giant. You mean a lot to us. Here's what we can do. And Saquon glowing about how much the Mara family means to him, how much he wants to be a giant for life, how much the Tish family means to him. He even said that he walked out of that meeting, called his agent and said, let's just get this done. Here's the number I want to get to, right? From that point on, we don't know the exact disagreement in numbers there that resulted in no deal. But Saquon's intimation is that he came out of that conversation with John Mara saying to his agent, get a deal done. And then once they got up against the deadline, instead, Daniel Jones gets paid, Saquon gets tagged, and now the tenor of everything changes. And now he's not potentially going to free agency. Now he's not paid by the Giants because um, you know, they felt pressure to get a deal done too. Now the giants have exercised this mechanism that suppresses his value while Daniel Jones is getting the 40 million a year, really 37 and a half over three 
contract and then Dexter Lawrence is getting taken care of and Saquon Barkley is twisting in the wind. So that's where it stands with Saquon. If you ask me right now, will he be on the field in week one against the Dallas Cowboys? My answer would be yes, but that is due to my most recent information, which is hearing his extensive comments made five days or so before uh, the deadline where he didn't get the deal done. Of course, about a week has passed now since then, and only Saquon knows after these conversations he has with his family, with his representation, with his uh, friends, with his teammates, how he's going to go about exercising the leverage he has come the season. Um, you know, my my take on the personal side of it is that this got personal enough that a holdout is very possible. Like I think anybody who's shaking their head and saying that it's ridiculous to, um, you know, put fear into people's hearts that that's a reality because there's no way Saquon's actually going to do it. I don't think that's accurate. Like I do think um, this process soured enough, enough and the relationship fractured enough that a holdout is possible. But most recently hearing Saquon's most recent interview about how much New York means to him, about how he doesn't really want to leave the area. You can tell or read between the lines that it really doesn't sound like, uh, you know, wanting to be traded or wanting to be sent out of town somewhere else is even crossing his mind at this point. Um, you know, the other thing is that because he's franchise tagged, even though he hasn't signed the tender, if he got traded, let's say, if he, if he told the Giants, I don't want to play here and I want to be traded tomorrow and I'll only sign the tag, if you trade me to the Buffalo Bills, even if the Giants tra traded him to the Buffalo Bills tomorrow on the tag, Saquon would not be able to negotiate a long-term contract with the Buffalo Bills until after this season because it's after the July 15th deadline. So in order to get a new contract somewhere, he would have to have that tag rescinded, possibly sign a lower deal than that, then get traded or the tag could be rescinded and he would hit free agency, in which case, if he were on the free agent market, we all know how that's been going for the entire running back market as a whole. You know, as I talk to you right now, guy like Dalvin Cook still on the market, right? Cut by his the Minnesota Vikings after being a huge part of what they've done for many years. So, you know, that's a doomsday scenario, worst case scenario, but it's important to understand that Saquon could not sign a tag, get traded tomorrow to another team in a tag and trade and immediately negotiate a long-term deal there. That would be something that a player would have had to have done back in the spring before the July 15th deadline, something like uh, D Ford did with the Kansas city chiefs, you know, going from the chiefs to the Niners signing the tag in order for the trade to be executed to a team that was going to give him a long-term deal in the spring. You know, Saquon situation is more like, when Jadavion Clowney went from the Houston Texans to the Seattle Seahawks and ended up, I believe, eventually signing like a lower deal than the initial tag he received from Houston. But it was all under the got under the consideration of being traded, knowing he was going to sign that lower deal once the tag was pulled off of him from Houston. And then in that situation, Jadavion Clowney and the Seahawks agreed that at the end of that year where he was making that lower sum of money, he would not be tagged and he would be allowed to hit free agency. So these are all the mechanisms and all the information that I've been going through and wading through and looking into and talking to sources 
about to be able to bring to you kind of the full landscape and picture of all this. Um, Barkley does have to report, like if he were intending to hold out the full season, I believe it's that he would have to report and sign the tender within the first 10 weeks of the season in order for the season to count. Like otherwise a tagged player cannot join his team after that. So I guess week 11 or later it would be. Um, I don't think this is going to drag out that long based on his most recent comments, but will be fascinating to see. A um, few other Giants uh, bookkeeping items. Jared Davis, the middle linebacker, as I first reported for the Daily News, uh, he was out long-term, had a surgery. Um, that surgery was to his knee. And when I reported long-term, I had you know, one source telling me it could be season-ending. Another source saying it could be six months. Another source saying um, he might be able to be ready by the playoffs if the Giants make the playoffs again. So at that time, knew it was probably for the season, but just to be safe long-term, but don't expect him to be on the team this year is how I was putting it. And then sure enough, uh, the Giants placed him on season-ending season injured reserve um, with this injury after this surgery. And so now he is out, which means they need a solution in the middle. I know I've seen some people say, well, the Giants aren't going to play a lot, play a lot of base defense uh, because t defenses play less base now in the NFL. But you got to remember some of the teams the Giants have to contend with, and especially facing the Eagles in division twice, you need that inside, that middle linebacker, that thumper. You need downhill linebackers to play against this Eagles offense as it is constructed given its strength in the run game. They can throw the ball too. Jalen Hurts, an MVP level season last year, but this is no small thing. And so, you know, you need a guy like Darian Beavers, hopefully to step up, Micah McFadden to step up, maybe another veteran uh, signed off the street in the coming days. We will see, uh, but obviously a loss in leadership there, a guy who is a former first round pick and really was trending in the right direction after being signed off the Lions practice squad late last season and jumping right into the Giants starting lineup for three games, including two in the playoffs. Um, so key loss there for the Giants before camp even started. Um, the Giants also um, signed Darren Evans, re-signed Darren Evans, guy played at LSU, used to be with the with the G-men, um, has floated around and now comes back. Uh, long corner um, who looks the part for what Don Wink Martindale is looking to do on defense um, and then the Giants put Leonard Johnson, I believe, the corner from Duke. Um, they waived him injured. Uh, unfortunate, a guy who was trying to break into the league after being injured all of what would have been his rookie season last year and uh, doesn't appear to have made it even to training camp. Disappointing there as the Giants try to take flyers and kind of patchwork a secondary that, despite a first-round pick in Deontay Banks, remains a concern. Uh, some encouraging news, at least career-wise, Anthony Blevins, uh, special teams assistant. He gets the head coaching job with the Vegas Vipers. Uh, was on that prior to the uh, team announcing that, breaking that news. Uh, Anthony Blevins, a guy who's well-respected by players, put in his time over several coaching staffs with the Giants. Uh, wish him well in Las Vegas. And definitely uh, the kind of move that a coach makes when um, they have put in the time and it's going well, but they're also looking to take on more responsibility and frankly, be able to prove that they can handle more and that they can handle a full team or a full side of the ball. And so Blevins is overdue with that opportunity. And I think uh, will shine now that he has received one out in Sin City. Um, and then 
One note just on Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, had checked in on the possibility of Northwestern coming and trying to poach him after they uh, canned Pat Fitzgerald, the former coach, over the allegations, extremely disturbing allegations of hazing throughout that program. Uh, Northwestern is going the interim route with their defensive coordinator that they just hired in January, who has come on recently. And so my understanding is at this time, you know, Mike Kafka's he's the Giants OC. Um, that's not something that's going to happen or that the Giants have to be aware of or worry about right now, though. Do just keep an eye on the fact that Northwestern is also executing a uh, search for a full time replacement. So obviously that'll include the interim, but that also could include them poking around on people, not only in college, but in the NFL ranks, perhaps a guy like Mike who played at Northwestern, obviously a standout quarterback there uh, before a career in the NFL and now is rising in the coaching ranks and was one of the finalists along with Luana Rumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals job before the Cardinals tampered, which they got penalized for and hired Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so, you know, a lot kind of starting to pick up all at once here for the Giants and in the NFL. Uh, this is the Saquon Barkley no deal episode, of course. Um, you know, any questions that were not answered as we talked about this here, please go into my comments on YouTube, my comments on uh, the podcast. You can go on my Twitter at P Leonard NYDN on Instagram at PL on NFL. Uh, you find me anywhere. And let me know what I haven't dished out yet, what you're still looking to find out, uh, what more needs to be discussed. Because obviously, this is going to be a topic that is not going away. And perhaps Saquon Barkley decides that the real payment that the Giants are going to make here is that maybe he doesn't hold out from a game, but it's going to be probably be miserable for them throughout the summer, having to answer questions about him and frankly, having to prepare for a season with higher expectations, but a harder schedule without one of their best players on offense and on the field. So that's going to be extremely difficult and challenging for Brian Dable, Joe Shane and the giants to go into a second season, having to deal with from an on and off field perspective. Um, want to tell you about estate 98. Hola amigos. This is Pat Leonard from the New York daily news and the Believe Network, if you're a coffee lover like me, you're going to love Estate 98. This ultra-concentrated coffee from El Salvador, which dates back to 1798, is the most convenient premium cafe I've ever had. It takes me three seconds to make a nice coffee, which is perfect for my busy podcasting schedule on Talking Ball. And I can take it with me on the go and make it anywhere. With its rich smell and notes of milk chocolate and tangerine, this Essencia de Cafe has replaced my old coffee runs. Go to Estate 98 Coffee on Instagram, order and enjoy. Salud. This has been Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, presented by Bet Online. Thanks so much for joining me. Comment, rate, review, subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.